This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of iron ore and copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind and battery agreements at mine sites across Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com slash critical to find out more. French have voted to give incumbent President Emmanuel Macron another five years in the top job. It was a decisive win, but he faces a divided nation which is split between the haves and have-nots and differing visions about the future of France. In this quiz shortcut, we run through the election result, what's happening in France and what it means for the world, including us here in Oz. Squiz Shortcuts is your backstory to the big news stories. I'm Eliza Harvey. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, the French election was a big event, and not just because it's one of Europe's biggest members, but because it comes at a time when France and its leader, Emmanuel Macron, is a significant player on the world stage. So let's start with the basics of the election. Voters had a choice between another five years of Eurocentric President Macron or a Eurosceptic in Marine Le Pen, who was making her third run for the top job. That's right. And the result was a lot tighter than in 2017 when the pair last met. In that election, Macron won 66% of the vote. This time his vote went down. The president ended up receiving 58.5% of the vote. That compared to Marine Le Pen, she got 41.5%, which in these days of close election results is really a decisive win for Macron. And interestingly, Claire, Macron is just the second president since the turn of the century to be re-elected for a second term. The last was Jacques Chirac in 2002. Yeah, there's been eight presidents since 1958. That's when the Fifth Republic kicked off. That's a reference to the country's current system of government, which was established by Charles de Gaulle. Some, like Francois Hollande, uh, didn't put their hand up for second terms because of poor ratings. And political analysts say it's hard for French presidents to get re-elected because the French have high expectations of their politicians and they're ultimately disappointed. And the other thing to note, Claire, is that French presidents can only serve two terms or 10 years in power. So let's get into the nitty gritty of this election result, because it's a good way of covering off on the political climate in France right now. There were 12 candidates running in round one of voting, which was held on April the 10th. In that round, Macron received 27% of the vote, Marine Le Pen 23%. So they got through to the runoff. But the other candidates to note include the far-left candidate Jean-Luc Mélenchon. He got 22% of the vote, so not that far behind Marine Le Pen. And then there's the far-right's Eric Zemmour. He got 7%. And Melancon won the lion's share of younger voters through targeted campaigns on social media sites like TikTok and Instagram. And in the second round of voting, he told his supporters not to give a single vote to Le Pen. However, he didn't tell them to vote for Macron either. And on the other side of the fence is far-right journo and commentator Eric Zamor. 
Yeah, he takes a bit of explaining. He had a nightly show on France's version of Fox News. It's called C News. That was on air until late last year when he stepped down to make his political run. Uh, For a taste of what he's about, he's popularised a debunked conspiracy theory about white Europeans being replaced in France and Europe by Africans and people from the Middle East. Uh, analysts say that Zamor softened Le Pen's image. It painted her as more mainstream. Uh, and in that second round of the elections, that was something that advantaged her. Uh, those were held on April the 24th. And interestingly, Claire, 72% of registered voters turned up, putting voter abstention at the highest rate in 50 years. Yeah, and the numbers are way down on that 2017 poll too. Reports say they're down due to a perception that Macron was the inevitable winner uh, and also dismay with both candidates. Uh, Along with the timing of the election, it was during the school holidays in many parts of France. And while it was a solid win for the president, there's still a big chunk of voters who want change. Let's get into what's next for France. When Macron spoke to a crowd of his supporters and claimed victory in the election, he struck a solemn tone saying, quotes, our country is riddled with so many doubts, so many divisions. Claire, he vowed to not let anyone be left by the side of the road. When Macron won as an outsider in 2017, he promised to break down that left-right division and bring France back to the centre. But commentators say he did the opposite. He brought in policies, first and foremost, that were beneficial to corporations and that benefited the rich. And that's where the Yellow Vests protest movement sprung from. Uh, Listeners might remember those big protests in Paris and other regional capitals that kicked off in late 2018. Yeah, it was called the Yellow Vest Movement because all French motorists have to carry a yellow safety vest in their cars. And given it started out as a protest against a new tax on fuel, protesting drivers put on their vests and created roadblocks around France. Uh, It grew into a broader protest movement that saw Macron as an elitist. Yeah, and Macron parked the diesel fuel tax increase and he also increased the minimum wage in response to that. Uh, Staying on the economy, Claire, France's seemingly bounced back from the COVID pandemic really well. Yeah, it sure has. The economy is growing at 7% in France, which is double Australia's growth rate of 3.4%. French unemployment is also at a record low of 7.4%. That, of course, is a lot higher than Australia's rate of 4%. Uh, But it's not all smooth sailing in France. The war in Ukraine is seeing price rises. Uh, Fuel, for example, is up 40% since last year. And cost of living pressures were also a factor in Le Pen's popularity rising and something pundits say Macron will need to manage into the future. All of that means that Macron has limited political capital to draw on when times get tough, particularly Claire ahead of the legislative elections in June. Yeah, they happen in two rounds, starting on the 12th of June. The second round is on the 19th of June. We talked about the left's Jean-Luc Mélenchon before. He's called on voters to make him prime minister. And if he was successful, he says that he would force Macron into parliamentary cohabitation, and that would really make Macron's life political hell. Uh, It seems like an outside chance, but stranger things have happened. 
Yeah, and another hot topic at the moment in France is immigration policy. Macron is a moderate on that in comparison to Le Pen, who has a harder line. Yeah, but there is anxiety in parts of the electorate over immigration and border control policies. Macron said that he will push for the European Union to step up and have stricter policies to stop people from entering Europe illegally, amongst a range of other things. Uh, Keep in mind that France received about 100,000 asylum seekers last year, and there's been about 30,000 Ukrainians this year who have fled the war. But he was pushing back hard against some of Le Pen's more extreme positions. Uh, One of those was banning the Muslim hijab. He said that that would trigger a civil war. Remember, about 10% of the population in France practice Islam. And we can also expect to hear a lot more from Macron about climate change. He's outlined a very ambitious climate policy that includes the introduction of a European carbon tax to fast-track greenhouse gas reductions. Uh, He's also pledged to plant 140 million trees, uh, to close large open-air landfills and to reduce the country's reliance on gas, oil and coal. The idea is that that would be phased out altogether. So that's a wrap of what's next for the country domestically. Let's get into France on the world stage next. Claire, we're working with BHP again on Weekly Wrap this week because they're keen to share with Squizzers how the resources they mine are key for our economy's shift to renewable energy. Yeah, so we often hear about the push towards renewable energy, but what doesn't get as much attention is the role that mining companies are playing in making that transition possible. Take steel, for instance. It's a key material used in the construction of renewable energy infrastructure, as well as bridges and transportation, hospitals and schools, and a big part of it comes from iron ore. That iron ore mainly hails from Western Australia, and BHP says the importance of responsibly produced Western Australian iron iron ore is clear. Yeah, and by that, they mean reducing the greenhouse gas emissions associated with iron ore production. That's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power their port facilities at Port Hedland. It's happening now at BHP. And if you want to learn more, visit bhp.com forward slash critical. You'll find that link in your episode notes. We've been talking a lot on the squeeze about the war in Ukraine and President Macron's efforts to broker a peace. Uh, He's even been snapped looking unshaven in jeans and a hoodie in what many commentators were calling the Zelensky wear. Uh, Claire, this is all a long way of saying Macron's election victory is a win for both NATO and the EU. Yeah, like other parts of Europe uh, and, of course, the UK with Brexit, there are those in France who don't much like France being tied to those big European bodies. You mentioned the war. Macron actually flew to Moscow to meet Putin uh, in the lead up to the invasion. And Macron was also trying to keep the EU united through the pandemic. So he's taken a real lead role in the affairs of Europe. France is a big player in Europe. It's one of the founding states of the EU and has the second largest economy in the bloc, which gives it a power to influence. And that could include Macron's long-held belief that the EU should have its own joint defence force. 
Yeah, he first raised that idea in 2017. He reckons the EU should have a joint force, it should have a shared defence budget and also a common defence policy uh, as opposed to the current situation where the EU member states set their own defence policies. He says that it would be complementary to NATO and he's not on his own on it either. It's a plan that's been backed before by former German Chancellor Angela Merkel. And Macron also wants to fast track cuts to greenhouse gas emissions and promote green energy like we discussed before. He says that that would allow France to crack down on Russia even harder through economic sanctions. Yeah, that's right, because right now banning Russian oil and gas would hurt Europe's economy. French gas prices went up 12% in October last year, and as we mentioned, fuel prices have gone up about 40% in the last year. So if France and Europe become less reliant on those forms of energy from Russia, they'd be freed up to crack down more heavily on them. Claire, shifting focus away from Europe now and onto our region, the relationship between France and Australia has been very rocky of late. In September last year, the Morrison government made the surprise announcement to scrap a $90 billion deal to buy French-made submarines. Instead, the government signed a defence partnership with the US and Britain called AUKUS, which included a deal to make nuclear-powered subs. Yep, it's all coming back to me. (laughs) Macron and his ministers were furious, uh, saying that they'd been stabbed in the back. Uh, We were put into the deep freeze over that one. Uh, Macron was asked whether he thought that Scott Morrison had lied to him about the French subs project, and he famously said, I don't think I know. Uh, Things seem to be thawing slowly, uh, but as recently as February, French diplomatic sources were still making it clear that all isn't given. No, I think that one's going to take a bit of time, Claire. But it wasn't just a relationship with us here in Australia. The French were very annoyed at America too. Yeah, that's right. The French recalled their ambassador to Washington uh, because they felt so blindsided. But Macron and Biden seem to have patched things up and the relationship more broadly between Europe and America through NATO has really been strengthened by their combined horror over the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And the war has really galvanised France and the West more broadly as the world's eyes remain firmly fixed on Eastern Europe. And that's your shortcut to the election and the future of France. Now on to recommendations. Claire, I just can't go past the picture of Macron that was released by his office of the president sitting on the couch, quite relaxed, showing off his chest hair. They're calling it heavage. Now, I know that that is going to be one image we will not see from Australia's leaders on the campaign trail. Well, we can cross our fingers anyway, (laughs) so let's keep them firmly crossed. Uh, We also mentioned a bit earlier those pictures of Macron in his hoodie and his jeans as he was wheeling and dealing about Ukraine. Those images have come from his official photographer. Uh, Her name is Soazig de la Maisonnière. I've probably completely butchered that, but she's on Instagram and her Instagram account that documents Macron's presidency is really worth having a look at. There's some incredible images of France and yeah there's lots of Macron but it's just quite a good account to get a look at. 
that's going to be a tough one to not look at as we get into the European summer, Claire. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening in today. If you like what you've heard, please tell people about the podcast. And if you have any requests, you can send them through to hello at thesqueeze.com.au. In the meantime, there are plenty more episodes for you to have a listen to. So get into that. Until next time. Thank you.